0: Welcome to Dwelling Place, what a sweet presence of the Lord is already in this place, which makes me so excited to be able to be here today and share God's Word with you. I hope that you guys are enjoying this series. How many of you say, I'm enjoying it, learning a lot from it? Um, It's actually a really big um, task to take on the book of Romans in just one month. I mean, there's a lot in there. It's a very rich book full of a lot of truth that can be applied to our yesterday, our today, and our tomorrow. But today, I'm going to really focus my message on applying truth to our daily living. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us. What a privilege, Lord, to be able to come into your presence as a family, to receive from you. But what a privilege, Lord, it is to give back to you the fruit of our lips through our worship, through the lifting of our hands, through the laying down our burdens, casting them off to focus on you. And Lord, that's what we choose to do in these moments, to simply Unburden our minds, unburden our hearts, and allow your spirit to speak to us. To feast off the daily bread that you have for us. To receive nourishment, to receive strength, Lord. And and in return, Lord, I pray that we would just walk in obedience to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you didn't know this about me, by the way, I'm Michelle. I'm Pastor Chad's wife, if any of you don't know who I am. But if you don't know this about me, I went to school, to a Bible college in northeast Georgia to study theology. My degree is in biblical theology. And from a very young age, I felt a call to ministry, specifically to teaching ministry. Um, So I went to college to get a degree in Bible and theology um, in order to serve that call. Really, my plan was that eventually I would teach and be a professor in a Bible college. Um, That was my plan. But then my sophomore year, this guy comes along named Chad. And I remember the first time I saw him, he was sitting down at a table next to my roommate's boyfriend. And I was like, Brooke? who is sitting with Ryan? And she was like, I don't know. Well, he was a transfer student. So I just like, hi, Ryan. Hi, who are you? And that's how I met Chad. And then I received a different call. It was the call to be a pastor's wife, which was not what I had in mind. I thought I had been very clear with the Lord about my path. And the path was that I did not want to be a pastor's wife, but he had other plans, and that's fine. All has been very well, so I'm thankful that no matter what the Lord um, plans for us, it's always his best. Although I do wonder if maybe one day I'll get to fulfill my dream of teaching in a classroom setting, theology. Who knows? Maybe one day DP will have a college, and I'll get to run that department. Wouldn't that be fun? But anyway, it was during my senior year that I took a semester long class on the Book of Romans. That's right, an entire semester just studying the Book of Romans. And man, it was a great class, but it had a lot of challenges. One of the major requirements of that class was that I had to write a thesis for senior graduation. That was a 50 page paper that basically served as an exit exam, so to speak, for graduation in the Bible and theology department. And my thesis was about the biblical doctrines of justification, righteousness, sanctification, how they all relate together, with of course, a primary focus on Paul's teaching of all of those things in the book of Romans. And yes, it took me basically the entire semester to do it. It was a lot of work, and I have a lot of memories of that class in particular because it was a stretching and formative time for me. You see, the college I chose to go to, I was one of two women in the Bible and theology department. The other woman there was a biblical linguistics major, and so we had classes together from time to time. But for whatever reason, this class, we didn't have together. So every morning, I would go into a class, a Hispanic Pentecostal woman with a gift of teaching, and I sat in a classroom with white, male, conservative future pastors with a professor who was white, male, conservative, and on top of that, a cessationist. Now if you don't have never heard that word theologically, it means it's a theological belief that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically the charismatic gifts of prophecy, uh, um, oh my gosh, my mind went blank, speaking in tongues, healing, etc, are no longer in operation in the body. They ceased, cessationists, they ceased um, after the early church. So it was really fun going to these classes where I was the only one who was different in every possible way. I was different in my gender. I was different in my race. I was different in my theology. And so it was a hard class. And I really think the professor saw me as his worst possible nightmare of a student. And while I was writing my thesis, I think he took just a little extra time to be critical of my work. And so for a long time after I finally survived that class, I really didn't open the book of Romans for a good while. (laughs) But thank God, his Holy Spirit healed my trauma of that class, and I was able to once again really enjoy the book of Romans. One of the things I love about the book of Romans is that it shows very detailed the manifold wisdom of God, which is what Paul says regarding his plan for the redemption of man. And so if you'll turn with me, I'm going to begin in Romans chapter 12. And I'll focus at the beginning in verses 1 to 3. And today I've titled my message, Daily Dose of Romans. See, one of the keys to living the Christian life is to consistently remind yourself of God's work in your life. It's amazing how we forget, honestly, from minute to minute, the work of God in our life. We can go one minute from crossing a Red Sea, seeing the power of God, to the next minute saying, could you take me back there? It's amazing how we forget. And so one of the battles that we consistently face is to consistently remind yourself of God's work in your life. So a daily dose of Romans will do you really good. One of the reasons why the book of Romans is rich and full, like I said, is because you see the wisdom of God, the purpose of God and the plan of God and how he chose to work salvation on our behalf. And for those of us who have been redeemed, the book of Romans also goes beyond that to actually instruct us on how to live now for God. So notice Paul's wording as he opens the chapter. He says, therefore, I urge you, The word, therefore, implies cause and effect. So here, Paul is saying that because of all that he has detailed in chapters 1 through 11 regarding the work of redemption and how it has been applied to our life, there should be an effect, a response A product, a fruit that testifies to that work. And so he continues and says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And in some translations, They say, this is your reasonable act of worship. Paul is emphasizing here that the effect of the cause of God's work of redemption should be that we live in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. And that is a reasonable thing for him to ask of us. Amen? This should be the response to his work. It should be the fruit of his work in our lives. Our manner of living should be different than it was. But what does that mean or look like practically? Well, let's take a look at the first point. Number one, the redeemed have a view of God's mercy. I urge you, Paul says, in view of God's mercy. So every day... As a redeemed child of God, you are to wake up, look up, and remember God's mercy. The lens through which you view your life, your existence, as you walk out the door of your house to face the same world that you lived in before Christ, needs to be that you are now a child of a merciful God. See, it was God's mercy that saw us in our condition of sin and rebellion and provided a lamb in His Son, Jesus. See, it was God's mercy that placed our guilt, my guilt, on Jesus. It was God's mercy that placed our shame, my shame, on Jesus. It was God's mercy that poured wrath that we deserved on Jesus. It was God's mercy that raised Jesus from the dead so that we could be raised to new life. It was God's mercy through the Spirit that made us a new creation. It was God's mercy to fill us with the Holy Spirit and empower us to live for Him today. It was God's mercy to give us what we did not deserve and could not earn. And we continue to live under that mercy every single day. So look up, redeemed child, and remind yourself, I am walking hand in hand with a God of mercy. Amen? And as you have this view, it allows you to understand that everything good in your present life comes from the hand of a merciful God. Your success is a gift of mercy. Your prosperity is a gift of mercy. And having of you, of God's mercy, means that you need to recognize the effect of mercy in your life. When you fail Him, you can be confident that His mercy is your provision and that it will give you forgiveness again. When you choose to trust in your own understanding, he will suffer long in mercy until you surrender to him again. The mercy that I received at redemption is the mercy I walk in today. And the mercy I walked in yesterday will be renewed to me tomorrow. Amen? You can walk in confidence that his mercy is guarding your life destroying the plans of the enemy against you. God's mercy redeemed you, and God's mercy sustains you. The redeemed walk with a view of a merciful God. Amen? Then the redeemed offer themselves as living sacrifices. Paul says, the effect... Of redemption should be that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual and reasonable act of worship the effect of the work of redemption is that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices and this isn't something that we should do with hesitation but with a desire to please and reasonably worship the God of mercy. God has done a work in your spirit that is a finished work. But remember that because you are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. That means that God has redeemed you as a whole person. So you are not your own your spirit has been created in true righteousness and holiness and has the desire to live in obedience to God. That's why now as a believer, when you sin, you immediately know it, right? You immediately feel the conviction, the, uh, the sense of I'm not comfortable with what I'm doing. Why is that? Because your nature has changed. And sin now is unnatural for you. In the past, before you were born again, it was your nature to sin. So you felt comfortable doing what was displeasing to God. But when he changed your nature through conversion, your nature now is different. And it is unnatural for it to sin. So it doesn't feel comfortable in sin. So that nagging feeling is called conviction and it's a good thing for you to have because it reminds you of who you are. You are a child of God and your soul has been redeemed but it's growing and experiencing that redemption and living out the effects of salvation in your mind and will and emotions. But your body has also been redeemed And now it is to be used as an instrument of righteousness. And so offering your body as a living sacrifice now becomes a daily act of worship for you. It's a daily recognition that this body is a means through which God desires to work. In the past, this body was a means through which sin worked. Now in Christ, this body is a means through which righteousness and the kingdom of God works. So when you offer your body to the Lord, it is a holy and pleasing act in His sight. When you make a conscious decision to say to the Lord, God, today, direct my steps. Today, with whomever I come in contact May my words be pleasing to you. May they testify of Jesus. Lord, my actions today, may they please you and may they testify of Jesus. And when you do that, when that is the position that you take on every day, it is a holy and pleasing act before God. When you care for your body, and you honor it as belonging, not to you, but to the Lord, because of his redemptive work, that's a holy and pleasing act, and it's reasonable. It's reasonable that because God has redeemed your whole life in love, gratitude, and worship, you would offer Your body to Him. See, hands must labor for kingdom work to be done. If you don't offer your hands, you'll grasp to work that God hasn't intended for you. Feet must labor for kingdom work to be done. If you don't offer your feet to be directed by the Spirit, you'll keep walking in paths paved by your own desires, by your own understanding, instead of the Lord's. Hearts must be healthy and strong and offered to the Lord in order to finish the race that he has called you to. If you give into every impulse and desire of your body, redeemed as it is, You'll give yourself to carelessness, laziness, unhealthy habits that will cause you to become physically weak and will hinder the work God has for you to do. Your body matters to the Lord, practically. It matters that you have a strong heart, that you have a physical ability to serve the Lord. Eyes must be trained to look away from that which is impure or you'll be ensnared to sin. Mouths must be trained to speak what is true and to be a fountain of life for the hearer. Isn't that amazing? You have to train every day your eye to look away from impurity. Every day you have to master your mouth and begin to speak truth and be a fountain of life for those who are listening to your speech. Every day, ears have to be trained to listen to voices that affirm the word of God and not contradict it. You have to train them. They won't do it on their own. And this includes training your ears to listen to voices, to to not listen to voices that are contrary to the word of God, people with impure speech. You have to train your ears to be listening constantly to the word of God. Because again, what did I say earlier? You will forget So if all you're doing is listening to people who are negative, impure, faithless, guess what's having influence over you? And so sometimes training your ears means you're putting up some boundaries to guard yourself in your relationships so that your flesh isn't entangled and following that same way. Amen? Hands must be trained to be lifted in worship to Jesus. You know, when you come in this room, you come with a body. And sometimes you have to learn to raise your hands and worship to him and recognize that that's a holy and pleasing act to the Lord. You'll have to learn to train your mouth to praise him. It doesn't always come natural to your physical body to do that. But in Christ, the effect of your redemption is that you offer your body. You say, Lord, if you want hands lifted to you, I will lift hands to you. If you want the labor of my hands to be different, Lord, I will obey and offer my hands in a different way. If you want my feet to walk in different directions, Lord, make that direction clear and I will offer my feet. Lord, if my eyes are looking upon something that you don't want for me, Lord, I will shift my vision. I will shift my hearing because my body is an offering of worship to you. The redeemed offer themselves as living sacrifices when they have an eternal perspective. The understanding that what you do in the body, in the present, has an eternal impact. What does that mean? That means that I now live with an understanding that what I do today actually has eternal impact. It has eternal impact in the life of my spouse, in the life of my children. What I do with my body, what my children see me do in serving Jesus, in serving the church, in serving other people, it has an eternal impact in their life. And I need to care about that. I need to be concerned about that. I need to be concerned that what I offer my body to speaks of Jesus to those around me. Amen? So I, as a redeemed child of God, must have an eternal perspective regarding my body. And I must offer it in worshipful sacrifice to the Lord. So, is your mouth given to speaking doubt fear, unbelief, lies, then you need to begin to offer your mouth as a living sacrifice. Are your eyes indulging in purity? If so, you need to offer them as a living sacrifice. Are your habits feeding your flesh, driving you to impure habits, pure decision-making, or are your habits feeding your faith? What are your hands laboring after? What are they holding on to that God is asking you to release? You have to offer them. What direction are your feet walking in? Are they leading you on a path of righteousness? If not, you need to Offer them to the Lord. Notice that God won't make you. He says, offer it to me. And that's a beautiful thing about the nature and the relationship that we have with God. He says, offer yourself. What your body was used to doing, it must be retrained to now serve Christ instead of its impulses and desires. It's a daily process a daily decision. It doesn't always come easy, but thanks to the perfect work of redemption through the indwelling Holy Spirit, it's possible. Amen? And the more consistent you become with your offering, the easier it gets to submit the flesh to obedience to the Spirit. The more consistently you bring your offering the easier it will be for you to recognize when you're giving in to the flesh rather than the desires of the Spirit and then allow Him to to redirect you. God redeemed our bodies so we could offer them in worshipful sacrifice and be empowered to live out His divine purpose. Amen? The redeemed have a view of God's mercy In view of that mercy, the redeemed offer their bodies as a living sacrifice. And the redeemed do not conform, but are transformed. Paul continues in verse 2 and says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. One of the realities of the work of redemption that's sometimes hard to understand because there's tension in it is that the work of redemption is a finished work, it's a positional work, but it is progressive in our experience, right? How many of you can testify to that? It is a progressive work in our experiencing of it. See, the work of redemption on the cross and in the resurrection is finished. And you immediately receive that work at conversion. You are born again. You receive a a position of right standing before God. You are created new. And all of that is an instant work. That means that the issue of eternity, it's already settled. God is our Father. You are His child. Heaven is your home. That matter is settled. But the experience of salvation practically within the confines of this unrenewed body and this sin-filled world is progressive. So that's why Paul consistently speaks about stages of spiritual growth, right? We see him speaking to babes and children and young men and fathers and mothers in the faith because it speaks of a progressive nature of God's redemption in your, in your experience. And so here, Paul speaks about transformation. The redeemed grow in their experience of salvation as they cast off, the works of the old man. As you put off conforming to the world, conforming to the ways of your past, and by renewing your mind, you experience transformation. You are now in Christ. It is who you are. And you are new in him. And so the first step is you have to daily remind yourself of that. To renew your mind means you remind yourself, I am not who I was. Here's why you have to do that. Because your flesh is not going to testify that to you. Your emotions are not going to testify that to you immediately. Your will is not going to testify that to you immediately. Your friends, your family... They're not going to testify to you that you are new. But God's word immediately testifies to that truth the moment of your conversion. And so every day you must testify that reality to yourself. Who you are now in Christ is not who you were. And every day you are to bathe your mind in the truth of God's work regarding Your thought life regarding your soul life. Because every day the effects of the sinful nature that you were once in that destroyed your life, now in Christ you have to begin to submit that thought life to him so that the patterns of thinking still active in your mind can be changed. Every day as you renew your mind through the study of God's word, those patterns of thinking begin to weaken. Before Christ, perhaps the constant pattern of thought in your mind was that you were not good enough to be loved. And that pattern of thought is still active. Perhaps the pattern of thought was that you were not smart enough to make something of your life. Maybe it was that you were not attractive enough to be wanted, not clever enough to pursue the dreams that are in your heart. Whatever the patterns of thought you had before Christ, in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to renew And he desires that those patterns of thinking line up with the truth of God's word. That because he says you are worthy, you are worthy. Amen? When you do this, it transforms not only your patterns of thinking about yourself, but listen, it also weakens your flesh from using your mouth as a tool of destruction over your life. Because what you think about yourself comes out through your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if your thinking lines up with truth, it will be much easier for your mouth to begin to speak truth. And that's an important thing for you to walk in. It's also important for you to be able to have a pattern of thinking that says, God is for me, therefore, who can be against me? Sometimes we destroy our life because our pattern of thinking is, everyone is against me, even God. And the Holy Spirit wants to begin to renew your mind to the truth that God is for you. Amen? Every day, you are to drench your soul in the truth of God's word regarding his redemptive work For your emotions. You are not everything that you feel. Amen? As a redeemed child of God, you don't have to be ruled by your emotions. You don't have to obey everything that you feel. That would be dangerous as a mother of three. Because sometimes I feel like I want to choke my children. But thanks to the power of the Spirit, I do not. And they're here with us today, okay? As a redeemed child of God, I don't have to be ruled by my emotions. It's an important gift of redemption. We're talking about life or death, okay? So thank God for that gift. Being able to be led of the Spirit instead of your fickleness in your emotions allows you to make wise decisions, It also allows you to handle issues in your relationships without selfishness, and that's important because to love like Jesus means you have to lay down yourself, and your feelings don't always line up with that truth. So you now have the mind of Christ, and now the Holy Spirit empowers you to put aside your feelings, even if they're valid, and respond to conflict and circumstances in a way that brings about the fruit of peace and joy. And this starts by building your faith, renewing your mind with the truth of God's word, speaking to your soul every day that you don't have to have the approval of man to walk in confidence and acceptance, speaking to your soul that you don't have to have the flattery of man to know that you are loved, and that you are of value. Instead, you can rest in the acceptance of the Father. Your soul can find rest in the love of the Father. Your soul can be secure in the approval of the Father. You can find comfort knowing that the God of mercy is directing your steps. Your soul can be assured that God is making provision for you, and your needs, they will be met. You can cast off your cares regarding decisions that you have to make in your marriage, with your children, in your business, knowing that God is protecting your life, guarding over you, making provision for you. He is for you. And so you don't have to be ruled by worry and by fear. Praise God. The redeemed no longer have to be conformed to the standards and the way of the world. Instead, we can be transformed and live in the fullness of His will. Now notice how beautiful and how wise God's Word operates. When our view is on Him, the God of mercy, when our bodies are offered to Him, when our minds are thinking His thoughts, we get to experience the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. His will is that your view would encourage your faith. His will is that your body would not control you. Instead, your body would serve you in serving Him. His will is that your mind would not be a distraction and a deterrent to your growth. Instead, his will is that your mind would be an agent of change and a reservoir of hope. This is good. This is pleasing. This is acceptable. Not just to the Lord. It should be to you too. Amen? But let me tell you who it's not good, it's not pleasing, and it's not acceptable to, to your enemy. It's why he seeks to keep your view On your circumstances, on your trials, on your disappointments and failures, on your past. He knows if your view is on the mercy of God, you will start living in that mercy. And every day you can begin to boldly declare the goodness of a merciful God over your situation. So the devil doesn't want that for you. You have to decide, I'm not going to give in to the distraction. I'm going to fix my view on the mercy of God. The enemy knows if you offer your body as a living sacrifice, you'll begin to grow in self-control. You'll grow in discipline. You'll begin to change your habits, cast off the sin that kept you in impurity, in sickness, and in bondage. And he doesn't want that for you. So you have to make the choice to not let the flesh win. Instead, to offer your body as a living sacrifice and to turn the work of your hands into a weapon against the enemy. The enemy knows if you renew your mind and stop conforming to your old thought life or thinking as the world does, that you'll begin to experience the deliverance of your soul. Depression will begin to break. Anxiety will begin to loosen its grip. Bitterness and unforgiveness will be cast off of you. And you'll begin to soak in the oil of gladness and be covered in a peace that passes understanding. You'll begin to love selflessly and serve Jesus willingly. So listen, you have a choice The enemy doesn't want this for you, but it's what God wants. So you can pick up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and begin to cut off every lie of the past and every lie of the present and walk in the pleasing and acceptable will of God. You are a redeemed child of a merciful Father. You are full of the Spirit. You are a new creation. All things have become new for you. And it's time to take a daily dose of Romans and walk in that reality. Amen. The redeemed have a view of God's mercy. They offer their bodies. They renew their mind. And the redeemed are a family. Paul continues and concludes the chapter with some important focuses for us as the redeemed. You are not the only one that has been redeemed. Did you know that? God is a father. He has a family, which means you do too. And as any father, he wants his children to get along with one another. We've not been redeemed only for our benefit. I say this all the time. What God does for you, he never does with only you in mind. We've been redeemed to serve the desire of the father. His desire is that we would work together as a body, that we would build each other up in faith through the sharing of gifts that he has given us. In his wisdom, he gives one a gift to share with another who lacks that gift but needs it. So in Romans twelve five, he says, In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I belong to you. You belong to me. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to... if Uh, If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In his wisdom, listen, he gives one member a gift to share with another who lacks that gift but needs it. Here's what that looks like. I don't have the gift of prophecy, but at times I will need that gift. And so if he's given it to you, he asks that you would share it with me and minister that gift to me in my need. God has given me a gift of serving, a gift of teaching. Some of you don't have that gift. But when I have an opportunity to love and care for you with my gift, he says I should do it and should do it cheerfully. Maybe you don't have the gift of encouragement, but you will need that gift. You will need that ministry at some point. God is so good that he provides the gift that we lack in another. And if I choose to hold back my gift, I choose to hold back the work he wants to do in someone else's life through my gift. We are to love and serve one another as a family with the gifts that he's given to each of us. God has redeemed us so that we may serve one another. And notice that he says we are to do it cheerfully. I'm not to begrudgingly serve you. I'm not to begrudgingly teach you. I'm not to begrudgingly begrudgingly encourage you. If I have that gift, it, it should be done with a joy that I get to share what God has given me with you. And I receive cheerfully what God has given you to give to me. The redeemed are a family. The redeemed also walk in love. Band, you can go ahead and come up. We are to walk in love toward one another. The effect of your redemption is that you learn to love like Christ. So Paul continues in verse 9. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Here he's talking about the redeemed loving the redeemed. How do we do it? He says, in sincerity, in devotion, in honor. Now listen, we can't obey this command if we're not in fellowship with one another. We can't be sincere. We can't be devoted. We can't honor those who we don't fellowship with. We can't share our gift with those we don't do life with. It is not God's will that you would be isolated in your walk. You have a family to love and to be loved by. We also love one another in service, in sharing, in hospitality. But we cannot obey that command if we're not in fellowship with one another. The effect of your redemption is that you would be used by God in your body to meet the need of individual members. His desire is that we would be a blessing one to another, taking notice of our needs, whether they be spiritual, emotional, physical, and that we would seek to be a vessel to meet those needs in one another. And then Paul finishes by saying that the redeemed walk in love toward their enemies. So he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The redeemed still live in a world that is now our enemy in the sense that they don't love us, but we are to love them. And we do that by choosing to trust in the vengeance of God and holding on to the gift of His peace. The gift of God's peace is too valuable for you to surrender to momentary satisfaction of revenge. The redeemed learn that we trust in a God who can make what is wrong right, and He will. He will restore what people or circumstances have taken from you. So we choose to trust in him. We walk in love toward our enemy by refusing to overcome evil with evil, but choosing to do good. God wants your response to speak well of him to the unbeliever. So sometimes that means that you'll have to bear the cross for the sake of demonstrating the love of Jesus. And the redeemed learn to value that more than winning the battle with your enemy. And so you'll continue to do good even when it's hard. Amen? God has redeemed us to manifest his love. We, the redeemed have a daily view of a merciful God. And daily we receive new mercy. We, the redeemed, have the opportunity to daily offer our bodies as living sacrifices and live with purpose. We, the redeemed, daily are being transformed into the likeness of His Son as we take on truth and allow it to renew our mind. We, the redeemed, have a family that we can draw support from daily and give support to. And we, the redeemed, have a daily mission to walk in love. God is wise. He was wise to save us. He's wise to renew us. He's wise to empower us. Amen. Lord, we worship you today we choose to cast off our vision off of the circumstances, off of the complications of life, off of the difficulties. We choose to raise our view up to the God of mercy. Lord, we thank you that today there is new mercy walking with me, walking before me. Lord, today we choose to offer our bodies in service to you. May it be a holy and pleasing act in your sight. May you take pleasure in how we use our hands, in the path that our feet walk in, in the words that our mouths speak, in the things that our eyes look upon. Lord, may you take pleasure in our offering of our bodies. Lord, we thank you that by your spirit, our thoughts are renewed and our spirits are made strong. We cast off every lie of the enemy. We choose to believe and walk in truth. Lord, we pray today that you would help us to love one another as you love us. Help us, Lord, to cheerfully share our gifts. Help us, Lord, to cheerfully walk in love toward one another, being devoted to each other, Lord, honoring one another, serving one another, meeting each other's needs. And Lord, may it all testify to the enemies in this world that have set themselves against you. But Lord, may you soften their hearts as they see us walk in love toward one another and as they see us walk in love toward them as they experiencing as they experience us putting our trust in you to win the battle to make what is wrong right to work your purpose in our lives lord may it speak of you and may hearts desire what is in our lives to be in theirs jesus We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your wisdom, for your strength, for your spirit in this place, for the work you're doing in our family here. Continue it, Lord. Bring it to completion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.